Love is a wondrous thing, isn't it? I mean, it is able to span time and space in this most incredible way to where no distance divides it. It can cross over time to where people who are far away from you or people from long ago you can still hold present in your heart. Love is incredibly just great because it even spans the divide between this life and the next. Some of us know that from grandmothers or mothers who have passed on. And we realize that not even death can diminish the love that we have for them. And they, if they've been commended to Christ, are with love himself. Love is an incredible thing. But it's also a word that we use rather cheaply sometimes. Right? Because it's something so much easier said than done. Those three syllables, I love you, it's easy to say them. But boy, is it hard to live them out. And I think that mothers actually understand that more than anybody. Because how often is it that we say to mom, I love you. I love you so much. We have a whole day. I mean, Mother's Day makes Father's Day look like nothing, right? We love telling mom, I love you. But we also risk letting those words ring hollow. Because sometimes we say, oh, I love you, Mom. And she says, oh, thank you for saying that. I love you, too. Would you please take out the trash? And I say, well, I don't love you that much. <laughs> like, come on. I, I love the idea of loving you, right? I, I love who you are for me. I love that you're so patient and kind and that you're always going to be there. But let's not push it, Mom. Like, come on. I don't want to do what you say. I just want to be able to say that I love you. And moms, God bless them. They might want to tear their hair out, but even though we treat them that way, they still love us. And it's in that context that we understand what Jesus said to his disciples, what he says to his disciples here in Clovis. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You see, Jesus desperately wants that we back up our words with our lives. That when we say, I love you, Lord... It doesn't ring hollow, but instead is the verbal expression of what our life is already showing. I was preaching about this to some of the First Holy Communion kids yesterday. We were going through the commandments, and I I quizzed them, and I'm going to quiz you as well. What is the third commandment? Oh, Come on, these kids were like seven years old and they got it pretty quickly. What's the third commandment? Keep holy the Sabbath day. Exactly. You are correct. Now, the commandments of the Lord, they are given to us with this great love. Why do we treat them like suggestions so often? I think sometimes we come to church as if we were doing God a favor instead of giving to him one hour out of the 150 plus he gives us every week. You see, we're not a single parent household as believers. We have God the Father who has given us the law, but then we also have a mother, the church. And very often we don't think of her that way. 
We think of just the institution. We think of the bureaucracy. We think of a bunch of guys with pointy hats in Rome who are making the decisions for me, but they don't know my situation. And we have this sense of distrust. Instead of realizing God the Father wants to parent his children through the church, our mother, the very bride of Christ. And we take her teachings like suggestions. And sometimes we say, yes, Jesus, I love you. I love your bride. I love the church. And then he says, okay, keep my commandments. And we say, well, maybe not. Maybe I'm going to pick and choose. Maybe some of them I'm on board with, but if they don't make sense to me right now, this second, I'm not going to do it. Because I only trust so much. Well, the Lord wants to disabuse us of any of those kinds of ideas today. He wants us to maybe look at the model of how we love our moms and give us the capacity to love Mother Church that way as well. Now, first thing about our moms, they're imperfect, right? I mean, I love my mom more than I could ever say. And I'll have to admit it, probably because she's not here right now, that she's imperfect. And all of our moms fall somewhere on that spectrum. Maybe she is the closest thing to Mary Immaculate and she is just a wonderful person. You're so grateful because you cannot think of a single time that she's hurt you. Or you're on the opposite side of the spectrum. And today is always a painful day for you because you think, man, everybody else had these moms and mine and I, we didn't click. Or even worse, you're still carrying wounds. Now, regardless of where you fall on that spectrum... The Lord, with his perfect love, wants to restore your relationship with the mother through your mother, the church. Through that church imaged most perfectly in Mary. Now, Mary is perfect, but the church is made up of all of us. So we're closer to the other end of the spectrum. Right? The church is very imperfect, but it is God's church. And it is the mouthpiece through which he wants to teach you truth, through which he wants to guide you through life. What kind of a relationship do you have with that church? Now, uh, going back to the third commandment, keep holy the Lord's day. Now, dad gave us this rule. He says, give me the whole day. Mom swoops in as the church and says, okay, I'm going to show you what the bare minimum is. Yes, he said the whole day, I'm going to give you this. Bare minimum, give me an hour. Come to church. And isn't that how it is? That mom and dad kind of balance each other out, interpret each other's words. But sadly, sometimes even that one hour is too much for us. Or we put these conditions. We might say, yes, I will go to church, but only if that guy's there. Or only if it happens to uh, have this kind of music or that kind of music. Or only if it's at a time that fits my schedule. And we try to fit church into our lives instead of letting our lives revolve around our relationship with the Lord. Because we don't come to church primarily to have a good experience. If we do, thanks be to God. That's, That's icing on the cake. We're so grateful for it. We don't even come to church to learn. Now we might think, no, 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 that's what I come to church for. No, it isn't. If you do, great, extra credit. I love that you learned something. You don't come to church to be inspired, to get that little nugget for the rest of the week. No, if you do, that's great, and I'm happy for you. 
But that's not the primary reason why you come to church. Why you come to church was explained to me yesterday by a little eight-year-old girl. So I asked her, I said, why do we come to church? And she said, because we love God. Friends, that's it. It's because we love him and we trust him and he said do this and so we do this. On the days that we feel like it and on the days that we don't. When, it is, uh, when everything is exactly as we would like it and when, sadly, it isn't. Because what we do by coming to Mass is we come close to Jesus. All of the externals may be exactly the way that we hate them. But if Jesus is there, then you are closest to the one you love most and who loves you most. And remember, love bridges time and space. And so when you draw close to the altar where God is made present, you are close to everyone that you have ever loved and commended to Jesus. The people who have passed on, when you look up at that host, you're able to peer into heaven and be close to the ones you thought you lost. But they're always here with God. If distance divides you from people you love, you peer into that host and you know that you're close to the God that holds them in their hands. But it takes dedication and it takes perseverance. Because it's not always easy, but it's always worth it. To follow the commandments of God our Father, expressed through the teachings of the Church our Mother, so that when we say, I love you to God, when we say, I love you to His bride, the Church, they cannot be empty words, but words that are a reflection of the lives that we're leading, lives that will ultimately lead us to the very gates of heaven.